This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. Later on in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the news a little bit and news pertaining to cats and and actually not news news as such, uh, but more a a story that I found uh, while doing a search for news about cats and that I thought might be an interesting jumping off point for a conversation in today's podcast. Um, and you know I I should add as in the that I should add as an aside here. Uh, I am not drunk, by the way, <laughs> and I apologize for that little that little stutter. Um, I should add as an aside that I actually used to do Google News searches uh, about cats on a fairly regular basis, and there was a twofold reason for that. Um, part of that was because I had a, for a little while I had a website, uh, highhomer.com. And it, you know, it was basically I put up content. It was advertising based and I would link to stories and, and things like that on social media. Um, I, I, it was something I did only briefly, only for a little while. And I stopped for two reasons. Number one being my very strong feeling that really I should be writing books and not, these kind of ripped from the headlines news articles about cats. It's there's journalism and certainly animal specific journalism is a wonderful thing, but I am not a journalist as such. Um, and the second reason, though, is because honestly, it, it can be very depressing on any kind of a long term basis to do a Google News search about cats, you know, just for the like just for the term cats, because as many interesting things as you will find, as many interesting news items, um, things, you know, I still do this search every so often, obviously, and I find really useful and helpful things to put into the newsletters, for example, my, my weekly newsletter. And if you are not on my newsletter list, you should certainly sign up for it. Go to GwenCooper.com, hit join my list. There is a free copy of a book about Homer that you can download instantly just for joining my email list. And even if you are already on my email list and you're getting infuriated while you're listening to this, you too can actually download that free book. Just go to GwenCooper.com, hit join my list. There is nothing to prevent you from re-signing up even if you were already on my list. So uh, please do not be shy about grabbing a free copy of this downloadable book if you have not already done so. But anyway, so yes, so I occasionally, you know, I like to put useful information into my newsletter every week. But, you know, of course, there's just so, I mean, if you do a Google News search for the word cat, what you end up, about 90% of what you end up with is some horrible local story about some local uh, uh, unspeakable profane, you know, so, some word that I am not going to say on this podcast to describe such a person, but basically stories about animal abuse, about cat abuse, about cats who are abused 
or killed by by un, unspeakably I, I just don't – I'm trying so hard not to use filthy words to describe such people. But you guys know where I'm coming from. You know what I mean. You know how I feel. So for the sake of my own sanity, I decided it was probably best to to not do so many of the searches, certainly not on a daily basis, and it was just not worth it for the sake of compiling material to put on a website that, as I said before, probably was really not doing anything except keeping me from the kind of, you know, books or longer form writing that that I really enjoy doing and that I think you guys enjoy reading for me because there are so many websites out there with the latest story about some cat who just became Instagram famous. Uh, But of course, there are not that many storytellers about cats, not nearly as many as, in my opinion, there should be. And so I felt that that was my greater calling. And I have been very happy to have made that decision. And of course, it's a decision that produced first the the sequel to Homer's Odyssey, and then My Life in a Cat House and the Curl Up with a Cat Tail short story series, and the book Spray Anything and the Book of Possum, and the sequel to the Book of Possum, You Are Possum, an excerpt from which I put up on my Patreon page. And so my, my Patreon community was able to get a sneak peek at this book in progress. And speaking of books, that is, of course, or or my books, that brings me back to the first thing that I wanted to discuss before we get into the the news story. And it is not, by the way, that news story about some woman who apparently was was caught breastfeeding her hairless cat on an airplane. Uh, She was in the middle of a flight. I have not read the story. I have only seen the headline. I have seen the headline in so many different places. I don't think I want to read that story, but perhaps somebody who who has a stronger stomach or is braver than I am can seek that story out. It it just seems like at best it's weird and kind of gross. And at worst, it's probably just going to make me sad that there is probably some really sad pathology, um, some sort of a, a genuine mental health issue that is underlying this. And I just don't want to be part of a crowd of people who stands around and gawks at the mentally unhealthy person and points a finger and says, look at you, you freak. Um, it's just not not my jam. Uh, maybe some of you have already seen this story, but if you are afraid that that is the story, the news story that I'm going to want to talk about later on in the episode, uh, rest assured that it is not. It is not the kind of thing that I would devote a lot of time to here on this podcast. And in that spirit, I'm actually going to move on now. Uh, but it was my books that I wanted to talk a little bit about. So as I talked about on the last episode, and hopefully as is common knowledge now, Cobble Small Animal Rescue has finally formulated an evacuation plan, at least for their cats and dogs, to get out of Afghanistan and into Canada. And just to follow up on that story, by the way, it is still unclear to me how much of the staff or which members of the staff, if any, are also going to be evacuating along with the cats and dogs. Uh, Hopefully, Charlotte will be returning. I, I don't know if she is. I do know that the shelter is not completely emptying. They also, in addition to cats and dogs, have goats and turtles and peacocks and some other animals who do not fit into the cat or dog category. Donkeys also, I believe. And they are actually, a a staff is going to be staying in Kabul to keep the shelter running 
on behalf of those animals, at least for the immediate future. I don't I, I think they are also trying to formulate a, a longer term plan to evacuate those animals as well. But of course, as is the case, whenever an animal is considered livestock or exotic, the the regulations for getting them from one country into another are a little bit more complex than they are for domestic cats and dogs. Anyway, um, they are currently trying to raise $400,000 to facilitate this evacuation effort to get these 300 cats and dogs not just out of Afghanistan, but into Canada and not just into Canada, but obviously once they get into North America, they are also going to need a place to shelter these animals. They are going to need food and supplies for them. There are going to be administrative and transportation issues. And so it really is a tremendous undertaking logistically and financially. And if you are on my email newsletter list or if you hang out with me on social media, and by the way, thank you for doing either or both of those things – then you already know that I have committed to donating 50%. And, and I was just doing it last week, but I actually think I'm going to extend this through, through the rest, you know, through Christmas, let's say. Um, I am donating 50% of all my proceeds from merchandise sales and book sales to Cobble Small Animal Rescue to this evacuation that they are attempting. Um, or, or planning to undertake. I should not say attempting. I believe they will be successful this time and certainly fingers crossed. Anyway, the point being that I am going to be donating 50% of the, of my proceeds this year from merchandise and book sales. And when I say book sales, I am referring to my books, not so, not to the autographed books. Those I'm actually donating 100% of the proceeds for. So if you would like an autographed first, hardcover first edition of Homer's Odyssey, My Life in a Cat House, or Love Saves the Day uh, as a holiday gift for somebody else or for yourself, please, of course, shoot me an email, gwen at gwencooper.com. But what I'm speaking about specifically are my books that you can get on Amazon, Homer's Odyssey, the sequel to Homer's Odyssey, Spray Anything, The Book of Possum, etc. I will be donating 50% of all of my proceeds this year to Cobble Small Animal Rescue. So if you would like to buy, to, to check some of the cat lovers off of your holiday gift-giving gift uh, or list, this is an excellent opportunity to buy some cat-friendly gifts and also to raise money for an extraordinarily worthwhile cause. And if you go to my website, gwencooper.com, you can find links to all of my books and to my merchandise store, if you click on a Get Cool Swag, that will take you to the merchandise store. And again, I will be donating 50% of my proceeds from all sales of all of those things to Cobble Small Animal Rescue um, this holiday season. I should also say, by the way, and I certainly encourage this, if you want to just contribute directly. And and you might be listening and saying, look, Gwen, it's really nice that you're giving money from your t-shirts and, and hoodie sales and your books, but I've already got a ton of your t-shirts and hoodies and I have already bought as many copies of your books over the years as I could possibly imagine buying for anybody ever. What more can I do? The answer to that question, of course, is that you can certainly donate directly to Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And if you go to their Facebook page, you will find pinned to the top of their Facebook page is a post 
with a link to their GoFundMe. You can also just do a search on GoFundMe for Kabul Small Animal Rescue, and Kabul is spelled K-A-B-U-L. Just make sure that you are selecting, um, if you are not going from Kabul Small Animal Rescue's Facebook page, if you're searching for them on GoFundMe, that you are landing on the right fundraiser, not one that some third party is is undertaking for KSAR. Um, I encourage you to to probably just go to their Facebook page and find the link there. And I do always love to encourage direct donations. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, sometimes people will write to me and say something like, I I can't find your store online or or I can't buy anything else from your store or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're very upset that they therefore cannot support the cause that I am supporting. And of course, you always can. You can always just contribute money directly to the cause. And really, when I do something like this, it, it's to make it, like I said, easy for to, to for you guys to kill two birds with one stone, but also to let you know that when you support my work, you are also supporting a, a cause that that we all believe in. And I know that I personally feel better about buying things uh, from people and businesses that, that I know share similar values and do good things with the money that I give them. So yeah, that's what that is all about. But direct donations are always encouraged and and certainly welcomed by the organization in question. And on that note, I think now would be an excellent time to take a very short 30-second break. And when we get back, we will be discussing this interesting article that I found today while doing the research. So sit back, relax, get comfortable, and stick around for more for Love with a This morning, the Guardian is a British newspaper, and it's it's kind of a he said she said. It's not an advice column per se, but it seems like it's um the the purpose of this column is to to get a couple and have them each present their side of an argument that they are having, and at the end of which you know the audience I, I guess is invited to weigh in and give their comments or vote on who they think is right or wrong and in what should come as no surprise to anybody the reason why i found this this is the first time i'm reading this particular feature and the reason why it caught my interest is because this is about a couple who is arguing about their cats or rather the cats that belong to the woman in the couple and and so the article refers to these two people as the prosecution and the defense. Um, that sounds a, a little accusatory to me and, and a little bit more combative than I think these things need to be. So I'm just going to go by their names. The couple's name, at least as they're given in the article, are Rob and Lakshmi. And first, we're going to hear from Rob and what he feels is the problem regarding the relationship that his girlfriend Lakshmi has with her three cats. So Rob writes, I think of cats as pets, while my girlfriend Lakshmi refers to them as her children. We have Bella, Kiara, and Fiona, who are a year old. 
Lakshmi and I usually live apart, but moved in together for the duration of lockdown. I had to move out of my home office as it turned into the cat's bedroom. Lakshmi and I are very different in our attitudes towards the cats, but her stance affects us both. Lakshmi will spend her entire month's wages on the cats. She has canceled dinner dates, using the money to pay for cat food and vet bills. She recently spent 400 pounds on a Wi-Fi-controlled cat flap. When Fiona wasn't eating normally, Lakshmi once spent 1,700 pounds on scans, blood observations, and checkups. It turned out Fiona was constipated. We had to cancel our holiday after that as Lakshmi didn't have enough money left to go. We've been together five years and keep our finances separate. Lakshmi will pay for a lot of the cat stuff and I'll take care of the human food. She spends loads on expensive cat food but gets annoyed if I don't get the cheapest supermarket brand food for us. I eat cheap ham, but the cats have the finest. She also gets mad if I point out that five daily dishes of dry cat food for three cats, as well as extra treats, is too much. I once said the cats were getting heavy and she didn't talk to me for two days. We split the cost of our holidays and going out. Normally this works, but recently Lakshmi has complained about having no money. We want to have a long holiday to celebrate our five-year anniversary, and I'm worried that she'll cancel if some unexpected cat expense comes up. She once nearly missed a dentist appointment she'd waited a year for because Kira had a runny eye. Lakshmi should stop spending so much on the cats and prioritize her finances. It's her choice how she spends her money, of course, but I'd like to know she can pay for her half of things if we are making plans together. So this is what Rob has to say uh, about uh, Lakshmi and how her relationship with her cats affects him and, in his opinion, how it's affecting their relationship. And, of course, I, I know that many of you – I mean, certainly as I was reading this, my first thought as soon as Lakshmi said, you know, as Rob said, I think of the cats as pets and Lakshmi said, I think of them as my children – Certainly, I, I immediately sort of sympathized with Lakshmi, although I will agree with Rob that there seem to be some some troubling or, or concerning issues in what he has to say. But anyway, the here, so here's Lakshmi's side of the argument, and, and we can hear what she says in her own defense. Rob's exaggerating about me spending all my money on the cats, but I can choose to live it up or to help my cats, and I choose the cats. You have to prioritize their health, well-being, and food before your own. Rob complains about eating cheap food, but he's usually happy to shop at Lidl, so I don't get why he cares. I'm, I'm assuming that is a down market, either fast food place or, or grocery store, you know, like a 7-Eleven in the UK. I buy the finest for the cats and the cheapest for us. There's no way I'd give the cats low-cost supermarket food. They have lovely, glossy bodies because they eat the best. The time Fiona wasn't right, Rob agreed with me. The vet confirmed she wasn't well, so I was right. Rob was just concerned about the money. I'm particular about the cats because I once missed Bella's bad tooth. I had taken her for a checkup and the vet told me she had a rotten molar and that she might have been in pain for eight months. I felt so guilty. Now, whatever I pay, have to pay at the vets, I just pay it. Yes, you have the consultation fees plus the medicine and an extra hundred pounds if it's out of hours, but I don't mind. I save up. Once, Rob didn't realize the cat had been bitten in the tail and it got infected. Waiting can make things worse. Another time, Kira was blinking loads and Rob said, whatever it is, she's not going to die from it. It's his favorite line. I wanted to take her to the vet out of hours, but Rob said to wait. The next day, it turned out Kira had a scratched cornea and needed eye drops. Again, I felt guilty as we could have gone earlier. Rob has less of a right to say anything about my cats. They are my responsibility. We live apart but spend alternate weekends at each other's houses. Rob is the cat's uncle. He thinks it's ridiculous that I spent money on electronic cat flaps, but why not? 
Rob and I are always going to disagree. I don't earn as much as him, so I have to weigh things up. I do need to go to the dentist for a new crown, but Kira has watery eyes and Fiona might have dermatitis, so I've delayed it. I can live with a bad tooth, but my girls can't live with that. And so the the question submitted to the jury of Guardian readers is, is Lakshmi spending too much money on her cats? And see, right off the top, I have to, you know, and and uh, I, I'm sure everybody here as you're listening to this is instantly forming some opinions. Um, the thing that strikes me, first of all, is is Lakshmi spending too much money on her cats is is almost the wrong question, because I think what it really there, there's two things that that leap out at me even before we get to the issue of how much money is being spent on the cats. Right. And the first is that these are two people who've been in a five year relationship, but apparently are not. It, it they they don't live together they don't have commingled finances i mean they they take vacations and things together but the first question that i would have is are are they thinking of this as a long-term life partnership you know what are their future plans i think after 5 years you should in an adult relationship have some sense of where it's going even if the answer to that is i don't ever see it being anything different than what it is now but of course you know, is Rob looking at this as a situation he will one day be living with? Is he concerned that Lakshmi's finances will one day be his own finances? Because I think that gives him different rights and certainly a different perspective than if this is just his girlfriend who he's never going to live with, whose money issues are never going to be his issues, and who's spending her money any damn way she wants to, pardon my language. Actually, there, so there's there's three things that, that jump out at me. The second thing that jumps out at me is that these two are in a five-year relationship, but the cats are a year old, which again tells me that – so for the first four years of their relationship, things were a certain way, and now things are, are, are over the last year have become very different. I am assuming that this is the case because of the introduction of these cats. Because again, if the cats are one year old and the relationship is five years old, then – and I am no math expert, but it does seem to me that there were four cat-free years in which presumably different things were different, different financial decisions were made, how they spent their time was very different. And so it seems to me that Rob may be feeling that one day, four years into their relationship, Lakshmi made this major change and didn't consult him and, and it fundamentally changed how their relationship functions. And I also have to wonder if Lakshmi made this decision on her own, you know, did she consult Rob before she adopted these cats? And if she didn't, was it because she was thinking that after four years, clearly we are not going to get married or or move in together ever? And so I don't have to consult Rob when I make this decision. Or is was that a violation of the spoken or unspoken terms of their relationship? You, you know, so again, we come back to the issue of how do they perceive this long term? And then the third thing that strikes me is that, you know, new cat parents, like new parents of any kind, are, I think, inclined to worry a little excessively, um, to spend more money than they need to or on foolish things. Like, like certainly I'm not questioning if your cat is sick and it costs $1,700 at the vet and you have $1,700 to spend to make your cat healthy, then without getting into, you know, obviously sometimes in a specific situation, you may have jumped the gun or you're, you may have an unscrupulous vet who is prescribing more treatment than is necessary just so they can make more money. But generally speaking, you yes, you obviously do want to spend money 
on veterinary bills to keep your cats healthy. And that, I think, is something that you sign on for when you adopt a pet, is that you are going to, at times, have to make certain financial sacrifices for the health and well-being of your cats. Uh, By the same token, a $400 wireless cat flap seems to me like such a rookie mistake. You know, like one of those ridiculous things that you spend a ridiculous amount of money on early in the relation, early in in your your experience of being a cat parent, because you don't know any better, because you don't know there are cheaper options, because you don't know that the cats. I mean, the the old truism is certainly true that your cats are going to get probably get more entertainment value out of the box that the expensive thing you bought for them came in than they will get out of the expensive thing itself, and. It, you know, I, I've been a cat mom now for 25 years and, and half my life and the vast majority of my adult life, let's say. And I like to think that when I do spend money on my cats now, I, I spend it at least in better directions and on things they are likelier to enjoy. And that is what gives me my enjoyment. And the idea that you should prioritize their health and well-being over your own um, there may be a specific instance where you risk your safety to, you know, if, 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 I mean, this would be an extreme scenario. If your cat is about to get hit by a car and you jump in into the street to push your cat out of the way and hopefully get yourself out of the way too before the car hits, I would not advise that. I, I don't think that that is something that a person should do. But I certainly understand that impulse that in that moment when you see your beloved animal who you think of as your child and your family in danger, you are not thinking of your own safety. But as a general way of living your life, I I, I think this idea that your cats should eat great food while you eat garbage um, is not a sustainable one and is not really a healthy attitude to have. You should, of course, also be concerned with your own physical health and well-being. It is just as important as your cats. And even if you don't really believe that, even if you really do um, love your cats so much that literally you think it's more important for them to eat than for you to eat, you should, of course, consider the possibility that if you are not healthy enough to care for your cats, who is going to do so as well as you do? So at a minimum, you want to keep yourself healthy for your cats. But this is all getting sidetracked. I, I, you know, the, I, I, these are interesting questions. Everybody in the comment section that I've read so far, and you guys can certainly look up um, this article yourselves and and see what other people had to say when you finish listening to this podcast. But everyone is really kind of litigating the what is worth spending the money on and what isn't, and instead of getting into any of the deeper issues and into what I think is really, you know, the the reason why I brought up those first three things that. What is the long-term nature of this relationship? How rec- how long were these two a couple before the cats were introduced? And is Lakshmi making perhaps some rookie mistakes in, in terms of her thinking and her spending um, that, that she will a year from now, let's say, be somewhat calmer and more level-headed about? Because I, to me, it seems that what Rob's real complaint is, is that the cats are more important in the relationship than he is and that he is no longer an equal, he's no longer given equal partnership or equal consideration, um, that that he is less important than the cats. And again, I know a lot of you are listening to this and are going to be saying like, damn right, of course he's less important than the cats. And hey, fair enough. Um, but that's where I think the first question about the future of the relationship becomes an important one because I will say for me, 
there was never a question before I met Lawrence. There was never a question about who is more important, my cats or or any boyfriend I might have at the moment. And it was the cats. It was always the cats. It, it never even occurred to me to try to change anything or adjust or compromise on anything about what the cats did or how I treated the cats or acted with the cats, what my expectations were, whether or not the cats were going to sleep in the bed, how much money I spent on them. I, I never made these decisions with reference to anybody else. And anybody who wanted to be with me had to accept that or not. And if you couldn't accept that, that was fine, but it wasn't going to change. And he, you know, you can see yourself out, basically. When I got together with Lawrence, I I knew pretty early on that it was a marriage track relationship and I made different decisions. And some of those are discussed or, or most of them really are discussed in Homer's Odyssey. And some of those decisions that I made early on were very controversial. And there are still readers every so often who write to me very angry letters about changing things, for example, so that making the the bedroom when I first moved in with Lawrence a a cat-free zone, that the cats did not sleep in the bed with us at night after years of having gotten used to sleeping in the bed with me. Um, And and for whatever it's worth, and certainly those of you who stuck around and read the sequel to Homer's Odyssey and and My Life in a Cat House know that 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 rule uh, was not a forever rule. It lasted a few years and then when the cats sort of went from being senior cats to old cats, and especially old cats with health problems, everything really became, you know, in terms of where the cat slept or what the sleeping arrangements were, everything really became centered around what was best for the, the cat's health as we, especially once they were ill, and, and that became a more pressing question. And with Homer, for example, the last six months of his life, uh, first of all, I, I wanted him sleeping in the bed with me, or, or at least in the bedroom, whether he wanted to be there or not, because I wanted to know immediately if there if if his health took a sudden turn during the night. And again, those of you who read the sequel to Homer's Odyssey or who read Homer who have read Homer and the Holiday Miracle, you know that Homer was given two weeks to live and ended up living for another, you know, just over nine months. And so during that entire stretch of quote unquote borrowed time, what I did not want was a situation where Homer's health would take a sudden turn in the middle of the night and I would not know about it. Uh, by the same token, Homer, and, and I don't know if this was because his mind was starting to go or if it was physically difficult for him to jump on and off of the bed, or maybe it was both of these things, but Homer began at, overnight using the bed as his litter box uh, for number one and number two. And so what ended up happening for the last six or seven months, so we're talking about a significant period of time of Homer's life, was Lawrence slept in the guest bedroom and I slept in the master bedroom with Homer. And moreover, I put a rubber mattress, I mean, a rubber sheet over the mattress and I slept, I, I got a, a cheap kind of polyester twin bed comforter that I would wrap myself up in at, burrito style, basically lying directly on top of the rubber mattress, a rubber mattress cover rather. And so Homer, you know, and I always sleep on my back. So Homer, if he, you know, Homer could sleep on me or in the space between my shins, which was his favorite place to sleep when he was sleeping in the bed with me. And that way, if he, but if he needed or just 
wanted to use the bed as his litter box, he could do so without damaging anything. And the worst thing that might happen would be that in my cheap polyester, you know, $15 from Target uh, twin bed comforter, if I rolled into anything uh, wet or or gross or whatever, it was certainly easy enough to just throw this smallish and, and cheap comforter into the washing machine and not have to worry about it. Uh, but it was... It, you know, it was it. It was no more. I didn't do anything more than anybody listening to this would do for their own cat under the same circumstances. I'm again. I'm sure anybody listening to this who has nursed an older cat through an in you know an old age illness um, or who's provided senior care, let's say for their cats, understands the the things that happen in the middle of the night that you have to respond quickly to and the ways in which your life has to adjust to, uh, you know, accommodate the new circumstances. But the point is that if I had not made any compromises with Lawrence at the beginning of things, then I think I would have been facing a very different partner a few years down the road when my cats were sick and when I really needed a partner. I mean, and not just a partner for my life in general, but my partner with the cats. Because then we started talking about a lot of money being spent, money that was our money as a married couple. And we started talking about a lot of changes in our lifestyle in our home because we had a cat who needed to have pills and injections four or five times a day, which meant there were only so many hours at a time that we could spend out of the house, which meant we could go to the to dinner, we could go to the theater, but we certainly could not do both of those things. And again, Lawrence, you know, sleeping in the guest bedroom for six or seven months while I slept with a cat who rubber mattress, rubber mattress cover rather notwithstanding, still inflicted some permanent damage on the mattress before we even got the mattress cover on there. And I mean, just so many more things, you know, I could not have provided the elder care for the cats that I did without Lawrence. And when I say that I could not have done it, I don't mean in like a spiritual, moral sense that if if Lawrence had not been there for moral support, I don't know how I would have gotten through it. That is certainly true. But what I mean is that in a very physical way, a lot of what I had to do for the cats was really a two-person job, and a lot of it was unpleasant or kind of icky. It was certainly not anything that anybody would have wanted to sign up for, and I had a partner in that, a compassionate, present partner who was not even doing it for me. He was at that point doing it for our cats, whom he also cared about. And the reason why at the beginning of our relationship, I drew lines and I said things like, all right, I will put the cats out of the bedroom. We will we will sleep alone and the cats will sleep in the living room or wherever, you know, or in one of the other bedrooms or wherever they want to sleep was because I thought that more important even than the specifics of who slept where, whether or not the cat slept in the bedroom was Lawrence's understanding that we were all we were all making compromises because we were becoming a family and that's what you do in a family everybody has to give a little everybody has to take a little and hopefully what ends up happening in the long run is that because of these compromises you have a stronger unit than it would have been if I, I certainly could have insisted 
on getting my own way. And I certainly could have put my foot down and say the cats sleep wherever they want or I don't move in with you. And I don't think if I had done that, I, I, I think ultimately Lawrence and I would still have moved in together. I just don't know if I would have had the kind of partner I had when I needed to have that kind of partner. And I, I guess the only reason... I think this is interesting. Again, you know, I'm reading and obviously these are people just leaving their off the cuff comments on a newspaper website. Um, and and certainly I, I have my own dog in this fight, as it were, uh, because this is something that I have gotten some blowback for over the years. Not a lot, not a ton. Most of most of the reader responses to Homer's Honesty are still very positive. And most of the responses to Lawrence are very positive. But there has definitely been some negativity but I think it's an important thing for all of us to remember, and and I understand, because our cats cannot speak for themselves, we find it to be our sacred duty to speak for them and and to defend them against those who do not have their best interest in heart. And that is absolutely true. That is our sacred responsibility, our our burden and our privilege to speak for our cats and to defend them from those who don't care about them or who would see them treated as less than simply because they don't understand the way we feel about our cats or the way our cats feel about us. People who who view them as quote unquote just pets and don't understand that they are our family. But I think that sometimes we can get a little overly defensive on that and and we see people who love us and who genuinely want to be part of our lives and who want to build a future with us in which there is also a place for them, a, a physical place, but also an emotional place. I think sometimes we forget that Yes, the 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 person who is capable of speaking for himself and and is stronger in in every way that counts than our cats are still does not you know is also still vulnerable and also still needs care from us. Um you know, I I in reading this article I I can understand someone's frustration about you know the $400 cat flap or someone who's insisting that it's okay if we eat garbage, but the cats have to eat amazing gourmet food. Uh, I could concur with the second part, but the first part, you know, is 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 a problem because I think it at the you know and and it's one thing to talk about an emergency vet bill and another thing to talk about the the constant canceled plans. Because to me, what it sounds like is somebody who is at least partially concerned about being pushed out of his own relationship and wondering if there's a place for him in it anymore. And I guess the reason that I wanted to to discuss this with you guys is because I'm curious to hear what you think what you think and what kind of compromises you've had to make in your own lives, or have you had to make any in your relationships? If have you ever had to Try to to make things work between your cats and between a new partner who might not consider themselves a cat person. I know that I have heard, certainly heard from many people over the years who have said, you know, my husband was not a cat guy until he met my cats or or from, you know, people who say I didn't really like cats until I moved in with my boyfriend and then I fell in love with his cats and now I'm just such a diehard cat person. So that is certainly something that happens. Uh, this is one of those occasions where I really wish this was a live call-in show 
But I, yeah, I would just be curious to see what you guys think about it and, and what your take on the situation is. And once again, you know where to find me. I am at Gwen Cooper, G-W-E-N. C-O-O-P-E-R dot com. And on my website, you can find the page that is dedicated to this podcast. And you can leave your comments there. And I would certainly love to, to hear them, your comments and your feedback. And of course, my website is also where you can find links to my merchandise store and my books online and everything where that I am offering uh, 50% of the proceeds to Cobble Small Animal Rescue for, that was a very awkward sentence, but you understand what I'm saying. I am offering 50% of my proceeds on all books and t-shirts and merchandise in my merchandise store this year to Cobble Small Animal Rescue to assist their evacuation efforts. And you can find all that good stuff on my website when you head over there to leave a comment about this podcast. And again, that is GwenCooper.com. And that is all for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to seeing all of you next week for an all-new episode of Curl Up With a Cattail. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up With a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today. Today.